Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. We had an explosion of new members that uh, joined this past week. Benjamin uh, Mitchell, Julia Chung, uh, Michael Copeland, F. Coget, uh, Scott Pittman, Nicholas Freebird, and Raymond Savoy all became members this week, and we thank them uh, from the bottom of, of our hearts. If you would like to get your name read on the show and become a part of our uh, uh, cool kids group, then head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. This week, we've got Star Wars, and we've got lawsuits, and we've got Atomic Robo. So why don't you come along with us for the fun? It's the Major Spoilers Podcast, episode number 946. And thank you, everybody, for being a part of this week's show. I told you, if you don't get over there and sign up at patreon.com slash major spoilers, I can't afford to have four people on the show at the same time. <laughs> and so Matthew is not here this week. Actually, Matthew's having some, some Skype issues so you can all just jump on the Twitter at Mighty King Cobra and share all of your advice on how he can fix Skype. I'm sure he will appreciate that. <laughs> yes, I'm greatly. sure he'll be very happy about that. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, if you want to hear our pre-show that does have Matthew in there and then all of a sudden he Skype started crapping out on him. If you want to hear our pre-show where we are talking about. I forgot what we were talking about because we were Squid down for so long. Oh, Squid Games. Yes. And uh, all the other things that we're watching and listening to and uh, soccer and uh, translations and all of that stuff. You definitely need to get the pre-show this week. You can get it when you become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let us jump into some news. Okay, friends. So if you are anxiously awaiting for word on when the Scarlett Johansson cum Disney lawsuit will head to court, like myself, you are going to be disappointed as both parties have announced that they have settled the case out of court because Disney has more money than God. Previously, Johansson sought a $50 million payout from Disney, accusing the studio of sabotaging the theatrical release of Black Widow to boost subscribers to the Disney Plus streaming platform. She was right. They probably gave her more money than that. Yay! Yeah, so I'm feminism. very curious. I, I was Push curious about the stairs. how much do you think she got? I'm pretty sure she got between 40 and $50 million. Oh, no. They, if they settled out of court, they settled for more than she asked for. Oh, you so think so? I'm, really? I'm betting it's 80. I, it was not a surprise for them to settle out of court. I never thought that no, this no, was no, going to no, go no. to court because I, I know yeah. that Disney and Hollywood does not want budgets and payoffs and everything revealed uh, because that would just put people out. Admission of, of guilt and SAG right now um, just elected a whole new set of leadership. Oh, SAG right. after is the actors union. Mm -hmm. um, and their platform is streaming residuals, which would tie up a case like this, you know, or would oh, set right. a precedent. So mm -hmm. I think this is very interesting. And I think we're only going to see more of things like this going forward until new precedents and new contracts are set. Now, I know, Ashley, that you haven't done any like leading role stuff uh, that has wound up on streaming, but you have been doing some some acting. Oh, if you do dig far enough on Amazon, you can watch me die in a horror movie. Oh, there you go. Now, do you get some streaming residuals off of that? LOL, no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> okay, there, there you go on that. Rodrigo, what else do we have on, on the uh, list this week? Am I doing Skybound? Uh, you are doing Blood on the Trail. Okay. Uh, those looking to expand their fate gameplay in the Roll20 system, so the Roll20 um, web system, uh, can check out the Blood on the Trail module for free. Thanks to Evil Hat Productions, the campaign has four pre-generated characters, 85 tokens, 18 linked handouts, 40-plus map markers, and more. Uh, we have the link and code you can use to get this module that Evil Hat describes as American Vampire meets Oregon Trail in the show notes. And I liked American Vampire, so that's going to be good. Yeah, it might as well uh, try it out if you uh, are familiar with the Fate system. Now, you do have to pay, I think it's like 9 bucks or something for the Fate uh, and the fate accelerated uh, manuals that you can plug into the system. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, but it's free nice stuff. that it's all there for you. If you're already, if you're already playing on roll 20, then th this is, this is a good deal. Yeah. And if you, and if you are playing fate, uh, they have the official fate character sheets that when you're building your game, you can just drop in. Um, and so you're not having to use some 
other third person's created thing. And so you can go That's in cool. and say, oh, I'm playing Fate Accelerated the Dresden Files, and it'll modify the character sheet for that. So it's it's pretty cool. I think the code is generic for everybody to use, but I've put it in the show notes if anybody wants to to grab that. Okay. So. Uh, finally, a few weeks ago, we shared the story that DC was experiencing delays in many of its comics due to supply chain issues. We then had Big Jim on who came on to talk about the major supply issues and how they were going to be around uh, for quite a while and affect the entire world. And this is why DC Comics announced a lot of their uh, uh, shipping delays. Well, we haven't really heard from Marvel or other publishers uh, about specific uh, supply chain issues. We have had them come out and say, oh, this comic is going to be delayed or this comic is going to be delayed. But we do know that there's going to be an even bigger drought f- for comics just around the corner as paper suppliers and manufacturers have said there's simply not enough paper making capacity to support the current domestic demand. Read into it what you will, but if you ask me, uh, small delays may turn into major delays and increase pricing for comic books going forward. Hmm. Think about that. Uh, we want you to join in on the conversation about these stories and more in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. Uh, link in, uh, to your Patreon account to the Discord, and you can get access to other super secret channels. Uh, you can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. And we have our uh, link to the Discord that you can, again, join for free right there in the show notes. Oh, well, uh, looks like Patreon. It is the fifth of the month. Patreon just slipped me a big <laughs> check. So I guess we can bring Matthew back into the show. We'll oh, see how long good. he can stay. Matthew, uh, right. what, do you have a comic so, book review for us this week? I do. It's a comic book that I'm very sad that I missed the first two issues of. Okay. What is it? It's icon and rocket season one, number three, from the new milestone slash DC comics. Um, I was very psyched about the possible return of milestone, the nine, 10, 15 times over the past decade or so that it's been hyped. And when it finally happened, I missed the first two issues. So jumping in clean, uh, essentially this issue written by Reggie Hudlin art by Leon chills picks up after, uh, Raquel has shown up, at uh, the mansion of Augustus Freeman and tried to rob him and then become his superhero sidekick. Uh, And this is an interesting issue because I remember reading the original icon series back in 93. And I don't know if you guys know this, but it's not 1993 anymore. And uh, this comic picks up with icon and, and rocket having cleaned up the drug dealers in her neighborhood going around the world to wipe out the suppliers who have been sending the drugs. So the first half of this issue goes to Afghanistan. It goes to Central America. It goes all around the world, destroying uh, the, the actual suppliers of the drugs. And then, of course, we see that the people who are selling the drugs and the people who are making money from selling the drugs are getting mad which leads us to the White House, uh, where they discover that the economy is tanking because no one has drugs. And the war on drugs is now working because uh, Icon is involved. And now the United States government wants to stop Icon and Rocket from doing what they're doing. And to do so, they've hired another alien to attack them. And I'm like, Boy, when we got to that point, when they literally had the president saying that the superhero has to be stopped because it's messing with the economic numbers, I'm like, wow, we're just going all in on this. Capitalism sucks. And this comic wants to tell you about it. Um, We also do see that in whatever reality this takes place, this other alien, uh, the one that they're hiring has done some previous work, like in 1939 in Kansas, uh, he found an alien invader that had uh, embedded with local farmers, uh, had landed in a rocket, and uh, the farmers had adopted it. Yeah, and he he killed that baby. So we know now that he's capable of killing uh, Icon because he, he killed Superman, you guys. There are a lot of big swings and a lot of bold choices 
in this issue. But I also really enjoy it from the perspective of someone who remembers the original Icon and Rocket, the original Milestone books. Uh, at one point, they're attacking meth dealers, and Rocket calls one of them a redneck. And then they fly away, they destroy all the stock, and Icon reminds her that uh, the racial slur was inappropriate, and that you know if they're going to provide justice, they need to represent justice in all possible ways. Which leads to a discussion about, you know, their perspectives and their lives. And, of course, the issue ends with some shooty-shooty and some fighty-fighty and a big cliffhanger moment. But I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm actually very mad now. I've already gone back and picked up issue one and two. And I'm going to read them as soon as we get done with the show, probably. But this is interesting. It's not 1993. But a lot of the points being made here are the same ones that they were trying to make in 1993. And that makes me sad. And then I feel old. But then I give the book four slices of meatloaf for being really good. Very well drawn. The redesigns on the characters are nice. Very modern. Um, Icon's suit is a little bit off for my taste. But it looks really great. And it looks like the traditional real world iteration of someone trying to wear a super suit in a story where super suits shouldn't exist. If you know what I mean? Like they're drawing something that someone created for a Marvel movie, which I really kind of appreciate. So, um, I, yeah, I'm going to be checking this out and I think when other milestone books come out, I'm going to look at them too. So, all right, there you go. Uh, coming out this week from IDW Publishing, it's Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures number nine. And I know what you're thinking. Wait, isn't Star Wars over there at Marvel? Ah, but this is the adventures. These are the kid ones. These are the ones that feature all the Padawans doing all of their their awesome things that they're doing. And of course, this is long before um, uh, the current uh, Skywalker saga that we have. Uh, and the Padawans and really the, the Jedi, uh, much more prevalent uh, at this time period. They are really looked at as marshals and peacekeepers of the air of the universe galaxy, whatever it is. Um, the big threat though, that was part of this multi pronged publishing, uh, attempt from, from Disney are these bad people called the Nihil. These people that are able to jump through hyperspace without needing uh, hyperspace lanes. And they're also just, uh, these big pirates that just come in and, and destroy everything that and they can get their hands on. And so the Jedi are tasked with, with tracking them down. Well, this time the Padawans and their Jedi masters, uh, take them to, uh, uh, Takodana, which are Taco Donna, uh, which is that uh, planet that we saw Maz on in, uh, whichever star Wars movie that was the first one, the ninth one, the 10th Force one. Force Awakens, I, I think. Yeah, probably whatever one that yeah. is. So Maz is back in this because she's incredibly old and we get a little backstory on Gort who is also seen briefly in the force awakens. And, uh, we just get a little bit more of his backstory and where he comes from and, and how his people operate, uh, so on and so forth. And then there's a couple of supposedly ex Nihil, uh, people that have come to the pirate, uh, cantina to lend their services, but it turns out to be a trap. Uh, so yes, lots of danger, lots of explosions, uh, Nihil attack. If you're into them, and uh, Maz, if that is the the thing that's going to pull you into this, I reviewed another High Republic Adventures book when it came out. I don't remember if it was the first one or one of the one of the early issues, but it featured the kids a lot more than I felt like this one did. This one was dealing more with uh, more of the adults in the room, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I think one of the draws of the IDW's adventures line, they have Star Wars adventures, they have High Republic adventures, and then they, of course, they have uh, Ghost of Vader's Castle stuff that's going on this month. Those things are really aimed at kids, and they do a really good job of it. Here, they're also doing a really good job. The art is fantastic from uh, Tony Bruno. And I think if you are into this High Republic stuff that that Disney is really pushing, and we can kind of get the feeling that this is where the franchise may be going in the future, um, I think you'll, I think your you and your kids will probably enjoy this. I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf out of five. It's a three 99 book. If you wait a month, it'll drop down to a dollar 99 on comiXology, or you could wait a month or two and it'll probably go into the uh, dollar bin at your local comic store. I'm not saying wait until that long, but I am saying that 
Uh, it is worth picking up and worth checking out. This is the start of a new story arc. If you don't know what's going on with the Nihil, if you don't know what's going on with all these young Padawans and stuff, there are a couple of novels that are out that that tell you about the Nihil and, and set up everything that's going on in this big publishing uh, thing. But otherwise, just know that they're the they're the bad guys and they're no good. That's all you need to know. And then you can go and enjoy the book. So that's Star Wars High Republic Adventures number nine out this week from IDW Publishing. Rodrigo, not reviewing a Dark Horse comic this week, but uh, you are reviewing a comic that does come out this week. That's right. And in a complete reversal, it's neither a Dark Horse comic nor, nor something that comes out two weeks from now. But that's because I was going to review this a week ago and then I wasn't able to make it onto the show. Aha. Aha. So a righteous taste for vengeance. Number one. Um, this is uh, Rick Remender art by Andre Araujo. And, um, so this, uh, comic is mostly silent. You don't see people talk very much. Um, you kind of see, uh, this one person go about his day, um, and then finally, at the end, something uh, very intense happens. Or rather, this person becomes aware that something very intense has happened. I don't want to spoil it. And it kind of kicks off this thing that might get him uh, implicated, even though he actually didn't have anything to do with it. Um, the character that we're following uh, looks like, uh, what's his name? Benedict Wong. Oh, yeah. Um so the, yeah, so the guy who plays like Wong in, um, uh, in Dr. Strange. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, is this, was, is this like them like manifesting this? Like, yes, it's like the Nick, like the Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, like, yes, someday we're going to do this. Or is this, is this potentially already a done deal, um, that it's eventually going to be a movie? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I found that interesting. Um, it's immaculately drawn. Andrea Rojo does a, an amazing job. His backgrounds and everything else is extremely detailed. Um, you can see all kinds of stuff there. Um, you know, in places where you zoom into a person, the, the stuff behind is like clean enough, but when when they pull out to wide shots is just really impressive. Um, how, I don't know, just sort of like mechanically proficient. Mm. Uh, this, this all seems there's a, there's a, a scene in which, um, a, a teapot is boiling and making noise. And so the, the text, I guess that would be a letter thing, but like the text from the teapot is kind of coiling around the scene as the mm -hmm. character walks like behind it and like in front of it. Uh, there's just lots of little stylistic stuff that's really good. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half slices of meatloaf. I know I didn't talk very much about the plot, but it's it's hard to not give something away. Um, Does the but, title say yeah. it all? Huh? Does the title say it all? A righteous taste for vengeance? Yeah, I don't think so. Not yet. Oh, okay. I think All we right. don't know what uh, what that necessarily means right now. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, four and a half slices of meatloaf. Uh, worth it just for the art. But I'm nice. sure uh, this is a this is a this is kicking off uh, an interesting story too. Very cool, Ashley. You're going to wrap us up this week with uh, something from Fanbase Press. I know people have been reviewing each of the individual issues on and off at the major spoiler site. But you have the entire uh, thing right there in your hands. I do. Well, I have it on my uh, iPad, which I don't keep in a protective sleeve because I like to live dangerously. Um, I have reviewed, I think I reviewed issues one and three on the podcast. Now there's mm -hmm. six total and the collection is coming out on October 19th. Fanbase Press, by the way, makes very, very nice physical copies. So if you are a physical media collector and you have been waiting to get your hands on nuclear power, I would highly, highly recommend going and checking it out. So I'm going to try not to tread on what I've talked about in previous issues. This is an alternative 
American history, what happens if JFK and all that business went a different way. And there are basically mutants, which we call variants. This was all created before Loki. I believe I started talking about it on the show before Loki. Um, so it's unfortunate that they picked a new creative name for their superpowers that will now forever and a day be associated with the god of mischief and mm-hmm. lies. Mm-hmm. Um, what is interesting about the way that the book begins versus the way it wraps up is the character who is our POV character for a good chunk of it um, does not make it to the end of this volume. Uh, it's a stand- I, I think it's a standalone series. It certainly wraps up in a way that it feels like this is a original graphic novel. We're not coming back for more stories, but I mean, what do I know? Stuff that's been obsolete for decades is coming back. Um, and the way that Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell, the two writers, um, so seamlessly carry on the story and ease you into who's going to lead the charge post and through the denouement, I think is really well done. It's a really hard thing to do in comics particularly when it's not a team book, when you're used to having one character guide you ethically and morally. I'm also trying not to super spoil who it is. Um, I guess anyone hasn't really been listening. Uh, And then characters wind up stepping up and ushering in what will become the new, new America uh, in really, really interesting ways. They did a great job throughout at subverting my expectations from issue one to issue two, uh, this becomes a completely different type of book than what I thought it was going in. I thought initially it was just kind of a cute um, take on an alternate history. It picked a time, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, when a lot of people like to touch on alternate histories. But I think they did such a good job at giving you enough familiar with enough new. In the end, as the Joint Chiefs' dark secrets kind of come to the forefront and the variants are starting to find their place in the world and deciding on the world that they're going to build. There's a lot of really smart, really clever uh, morals, meanings, and messages for a, a contemporary reader. It's not super, super obvious, but if you want to look for them, it's definitely there. And I think being backed up against what in our society is like a civil rights, women's lib era makes the part where people are shooting magma out of their hands and duplicating in order to take on an entire army with a group of like 30 feel more grounded and, and feel slightly less silly than it might. If this was just, if this was just like superhero candy, if we were just doing this Mm -hmm. for the sake of like, I like mutants, I want to watch them fight army guys, which is also a perfectly fine thing to do in terms of comics. Uh, Lynn Yoshi, who does the art, uh, really such a, such a superstar. I want to bully her into working for me one day um, or doing a cover. Um, it it reads almost more like a storyboard than a comic. And I mean that as a compliment, it's very cinematic. Uh, a lot of the movement feels kinetic. It doesn't just feel like we are referencing uh, Google stock images or something like that. And I think that helps to carry some of the emotional weight of what the characters are going through as they are losing their babies, saving their babies, uh, investing in their identities, and then ultimately uh, overthrowing the American government. So I think for the price of $19.99, just get, get, get the collection. Like I said, they're really nice. It comes out in a week. It's also going to be available digitally. Uh, it's a solid alternate history story. It's an even cooler comic. And Indie comics are important, so support indie comics. I really liked this. I liked getting to revisit the story because the TPB is coming out, and I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about it on Major Spoilers. So I've read it twice. I recommend everyone read it at least once. Yeah, it's always nice when we see, and I don't know how long fan base press has been around, but it's nice to see when these smaller publishers produce really, really good stuff. because and, Consistently, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, Scout Comics tends to get a lot of positive reviews over at Major mm-hmm. Spoilers from our reviewers. Uh, certainly fan base press. And there's a couple of other smaller publishers that also, you know, really catch a lot of our eyes and we really enjoy the, a lot of the stuff that we see. And it's really nice to see those, those publishers continue to grow and, and uh, check them out. Cause I'll be honest, there are some times where I get solicitations from small publishers and their stuff is like, uh, no, thank you. 
Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's really kind of makes you think that, oh, if this is the stuff that I'm always getting from small publishers, there must not be anything good that small publishers put out. And so it's really nice when you see some of these publishers, uh, like I mentioned, Scout or Fanbase Press, come forward with with good stuff that kind of uh, refills your your sense of hope for for small publishers that are out there and the comic book industry as a whole. So we look, we need exciting news stories because we can't all have thirty five Batman titles, you know. And I it's mean, exciting. If you're DC, it's, you wait, can. look, I'm reading a bunch of the Batman titles, but <laughs> it's something like this is way more exciting to me personally. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know. Other than another Joker hit to the face. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, honestly, real quick before we get into the uh, trade this week. Last week on the Dueling Review podcast, which you can listen to live Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. when you connect your Patreon account to the Discord uh, server, you can come in and, and listen to us record that show. One of the weird things on Comixology last week was that they only had one comic listed for DC comics, which usually comiXology is really good at getting stuff far enough in advance. And I kind of made a joke that, aha, this is proof that DC comics is closing. And it wasn't until yesterday that they had the pre-orders up for new comics. And then today I went in to look for comics that are coming out tomorrow. Uh, like this IDW comic that I reviewed earlier, they didn't even have that up yet on comiXology. So I don't know if this is a comiXology issue or if it's a publisher's waiting until day of, which kind of defeats the purpose of pre-orders, if you ask me. I like but, to think that the people who took down Facebook and all of their conglomerates were like, hey, oh, we're yeah. going to get Comixology while yeah. we're at it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's like a glitch in the system. It's literally like, I can't find, what was the book that you had up? What was the book you reviewed today, Matthew, up on the site? Mm, boy, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> That's how old I am. Uh, oh, the golem, the golem walks, walks among us. Among us yes. And it took me a while to track that down in the system. And I was like, what's going on at Comixology? So I, I have no idea. Chip Mosier, if you're listening, you can please call us and, uh, and let us know. Uh, but circling Hi, back around. Yeah. But circling back <laughs> around to, um, to small indie publishers, it's time to once again, turn our eye onto the creative duo of Brian Clevenger and Scott Wegner and Atomic Robo. And I think, Ashley, this one ties into the new James Bond movie that's supposedly coming out. Uh. Atomic Robo and the Spectre of Tomorrow. That's a very James Bond title. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's very funny. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Ashley finally wraps up her big uh, arc of James Bonds over on the Geek History uh, uh, Geek History. Yeah, lesson. We, we, we didn't do George Lazenby or Roger Moore, but we're what? wrapping it up, baby. You guys need to do George Lazenby and then invite me on so I can. Uh, you better believe you are the only person who will be <laughs> invited on. <laughs> and I think, uh, I, I think, uh, I, might I, be I the want, only I want one Mr. Who likes Ibbett it. to join us for Roger Moore. Cause he's one of the only people I've ever heard say oh, that he has loves, his favorite bond. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, atomic robo and the specter of tomorrow finds a very different story than what we have maybe seen before, you know, in the past, We've had uh, Atomic Robo and the uh, action scientists taking on giant kaiju, secret government organizations getting blown back into the Old West, fighting Nazis, just all sorts of stuff. And here this is one that's very different because after the events of the last story, uh, Robo seems to be maybe a little bit more self, uh, what is it, introspective. And he's st spending withdrawn. a lot of time. Yeah, withdrawn. Yeah, maybe going through some some chaos and some uh, some uh, anxiety over what things that have happened. So he's basically been down in his lab and has left what remains of his team to build the new Tesla Dyne headquarters out in the middle of, uh, where is it? Arizona or wherever it is, white sands, New Mexico, I guess. Yeah. And so they have to deal with basically a lot of bureaucracy on the surface of the story where we get to see people like Elon Musk and um, Sir Richard Branson make appearances in the comic, which is, Again, something that these guys have done forever with this series. But I found the uh, the bureaucracy part of the story to be maybe as entertaining as the let's, let's punch a giant robot thing. I don't know what you guys thought about the Elon Musk and, and Sir Richard Branson and their spaceports popping up in, uh, in this volume were. Matthew, did you I have thoughts? I hated it at first, actually. Why? Um, 
I don't know. There's just something about the way. Uh, well, first of all, they keep referring it to the homeowners association, right? Uh, and how Branson has been complaining to the HOA about the noise, and I'm just like, oh man, I hate it. But then, as it kept going on, and Branson kept showing up and referring to himself in the third person, it started coming back around to funny. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when they resolved it, I was just like, yes, that is awesome because this uh, this is like literally the rebuilding story yeah where everybody starts out in disarray at the beginning and everybody has to deal with things that are a little bit out of their element and i really love the fact that one of the big conflicts is the fact that branson feels there's too much noise next to his spaceport mm-hmm. and then they have to bring in elon musk uh, true fact by the way full name elongated muskrat have to bring him in uh, to to help resolve the situation. And I have to admit, their Musk doesn't look anything like Musk, but their Richard Branson is eerily realistic. Yeah, and I don't know if there was a likeness rights thing that these had to go through or anything like that. But I know that, especially with Branson and Musk being in the news a lot lately with going into space, that, and especially with just the fact that they're Public more figures. rich, richer than anyone needs to be. This, this story came out in 2017. So this is a little, this is a while ago. So when we're talking about solar farms and battery stations and spaceports and those kinds of things, um, yeah, this, this is, this is a story that should be dated, but feels still very relevant to what's going on right now, at least from the, uh, from the uh, tech side. And I, and, and so then the next thing then Rodrigo is, uh, the two leaders of the four person team of action scientists, they're getting pretty frustrated because they, f- they feel like they're not getting any help from their, from their leader. Yeah. Robo doesn't want to have anything to do with anything that's outside of his lab. So he's leaving all the other work to them, but also he's not communicating with them. So, mm-hmm. um, the they've been trying to put this place together. It's been really slow going again, cause they have no help from Robo. Um, and then it turns out that Branson has filed like several months worth of complaints. And that's why, uh, they're like issuing a stoppage work, like a stop work order. Um, so they can't finish their headquarters. They can't even get toilets. Uh, extremely, yeah. They, they haven't gotten toilets installed. Um, and, uh, yeah, it makes it clearly, it creates a lot of tensions within the group since well if robo had just communicated with them they might have been able to head this off Mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. it turned into a giant crisis right so um it uh leads to some bureaucratic maneuvering by uh by certain characters while uh an actual legit you know super science crisis manifests and then robo and uh I'm just going to call her Julie. I just, I just, uh, you know, coming off the legend of Korra stuff, I just imagine Robo and the, uh, little punk rock girl just calling her Julie. Julie, come, we must go and take care of this. Right. (laughs) She's running Uh, off with, with him. She's pretty funny. I can't remember her last names like doctors something. Yeah. 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 Um, but her and the guy who, uh, turned out to be the real hero of the, like, the kaiju, like, hollow earth crystal oh, saga yeah, right. yeah, yeah yeah uh go to go to this place and like robo is it's it's kind of terrible because robo kind of has a weird ptsd about his the last few hundred years because mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of just ahead there for a while mm-hmm. um yeah. and this other guy is obsessed with getting back because like that's the last time that he felt like he yeah. was like relevant oh bernard yeah yeah or Barnard um, Barnard. I forget how you say it. So they all go, and as it turns out, they both manage to do good things. Um, so that's that's nice. But it, you know, there's like Atomic Robo has a lot of continuity and mm-hmm. actually has a lot of characters. For example, the threat here turns out to be a character that I think we've met before, mm-hmm. but I don't remember that story. Like it's been so long that I don't remember Alan. If Alan yeah. actually was a yeah, so, like, it's a thing that happened. I don't remember it. 
Do you remember? So yeah. So I was going to ask before we get into the Allen stuff, what did you guys think of spending just so much time dealing with the bureaucracy and the loopholes and being left out by your, you know, by your leader and having to fend for yourself on, on all this? What did you guys think of that as, as a kind of a major part of this story arc? I think it's an interesting, uh, I guess, stick to put in a spoke. I don't know what metaphor I'm driving at. It's an interesting complication for an atomic robo story because mm-hmm. I do come here for science, adventure, India, like a splash of actual research dashed into it. Yeah. And we, maybe because it's the modern day, but we got a lot more introspection and reflection and, mm-hmm. uh, Rodrigo kind of alluded to like a, a borderline existential crisis, maybe yeah. um, in the wake of everything that has happened so far and um, at having to live in an, in a, and share a reality with Elon Musk, which I can only imagine must be utterly terrifying. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the storyline that you're thinking of with Alan Rodrigo goes back to like the third or fourth story arc, the ghost of station X. And this is oh, one right. where they, where they find this, uh, Alan Turing's computer system that's been just oh, that's a good isolated. One. Yeah. That's been isolated for like 60 years or 70 years suddenly decides that the problem is the humans and let's destroy all humans. And so, right, yeah, this right. is one that has goes back a long time as far as atomic robo stories go. But I guess in terms of how all of this slams together, it's, it's fairly recent, uh, in robo history. Uh, certainly the ring of fire and the, uh, MJ 12 stuff kind of got in the way of, of remembering some of those old sciencey things. Uh, so yeah. I think that's where people kind of forget uh, sure, what's sure. going on, what's going on there. So, and I feel uh, like, you know, having, having to put robo in a place where he has to be an administrator is fun for drama and for comedy because mm-hmm. he's clearly ill suited for it. But it's also the only way we're going to get back to something even resembling a status quo where there's, you know, a Tesla dying industries for mm-hmm. us to operate out of. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that the rebuilding of that, that infrastructure, for lack of a better word, is part of the story that we're telling. It's not robos back in the future and everything resets. We still have to rebuild the stuff that got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, how many times has the X mansion been destroyed? And then. I mean, which X mansion, right? Like which school for gifted whoever. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a few issues later, it's just back. Yeah. 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 And so what happens is that the, uh, the scientist guy, we're really horrible at all of these names. Uh, the scientist guy that rebuilt robo during the, um, the Kaiju attack. They do have the genericest names. Yeah, they do. Which I think is, is a time saving from like a creative perspective. I get it, but you're like, really Alan? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, the, the scientist that rebuilt atomic robo, uh, got him his new body and another scientist that used to be an action scientist wind up at a convention together. And during one of their meetings, this person stands up and just explodes into a bunch of like a, a Kira style esque or, um, uh, what is it? Tetsuro, the iron, iron man. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, uh, you know, robotic guts all over the place, which kicks off this thing of, is this some disease that's going on? Is this an invasion? And through the process, atomic robo and Dr. Foley and Bernard, uh, discovered, discovered that Alan is still up and running and they decide to go back to the Island to take Alan down once and for all. But once they get there, they find an even older enemy is still hanging out. Good old Heisengard. Hey, I was really hoping it was Dr. Dinosaur. I know, right? (laughs) Although I will say if you read, if you read ahead after this volume, uh, in their black and white, like one shot stuff. Oh, there's some great Dr. Dinosaur bits. You can't have the Joker. Sometimes you have to go back and use the kite man. Yeah. He, um, you're going to tell me that Dr. Dinosaur is not the condiment king of this universe. (laughs) (laughs) The Joker is giving him far too much credit, my friend. (laughs) So this does bring up an an interesting, you know, we are talking about, uh, you know, major villains, uh, Batman's major villains, or, you know, I guess uh, Wolverine's major villain or whoever. But occasionally, as we find in these superhero stories, the superhero has to team up with his arch nemesis in order to defeat somebody else. And Helsingard 
uh, is there on the island. He's also detected these signals and know that that all of these robot people that are exploding all over the world are really drones that that Alan has sent out. And Helsingard has really changed since the last time we've seen him, which technically (laughs) was the last time we saw him was in the old West issue. They're actually drones that Helsingard sent out. Oh, Hel- yeah. no. Helsingard's oh, been right. trying okay. to infiltrate every aspect of society with drones that are more advanced than even the theories that Tesla Dine currently has, right? Yeah. Like, they're super-duper amazing drones. Yep. Um, but what happened was Helsingard found out about Alan, although he doesn't know what it is. He just knows that there's something there. Goes there, and his internal network got hacked. And so Alan, like right. in investigating or whatever, started blowing up his drones. That's mm-hmm. why random people throughout the world explode into cables. <laughs> yeah, into cables and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I forgot. I got that messed okay. up. Um, and so then we find out that in the process of trying to take Alan down, the two of them have to work together. But then Helsingard uh, decides to change his or uh, connect his consciousness to um to Alan. To Alan. And then things get even, yeah, it gets really bad, right? Except, except for the, uh, for the Chekhov's robot that has right? been around since <laughs> issue one. Matthew, what is, uh, what has Robo been doing down in his lab for six months? He's been making little networked drone robots. And each one, he says, is about as smart as a house cat. But when you network them together, their brains kind of, uh, what do you think? Evolve they like network improve. and they evolve. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we actually get an Adrian Vite, are you kidding? I did it 25 minutes ago moment from Robo that I think is wonderful. Why do you think my drones were here? That's yeah. the, I like that. Yeah, so Robo kind of had his little drones go through and, and connect to and start dismantling Alan, which also has Helsingard inside. And uh, they end up saving the day, which is really, I mean, he's Atomic Robo. He's not going to lose. It's Werner Heinrich von Helsingard. You will say his name with respect, yeah? No, I won't. He's a bad guy. Okay. That's true. And uh, in the end, not only it does... It doesn't even matter. I know. Not only does Atomic Robo, you know, get chewed out by his friends, and he admits that he's made some mistakes along the way... Um, and his little robots are really cool. He also discovers one of the robots has uh, gotten super intelligent and also calls himself Alan. Bum, bum, bum. And they're networked. And they're networked. Yes. So uh, that is something that is interesting in, in how this ends with this revelation that an Alan AI is still present in his systems somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and that, that it's sitting on Robo's desk now. Uh, because that does play a big role in what comes next in Atomic Robo, or at least the next big Atomic Robo arc, which I find fascinating. And we'll have to talk about this, I think, next year, whenever we revisit uh, Atomic Robo. What did you guys think of this story? What What is your overall reactions to to this? Why don't we start with Matthew? I like the fact that it went where I felt like I wanted it to go. Mm. Not mm-hmm. in terms of of, you know, the actual plot. But in terms of the the character positioning, by the end of this five six issue arc, we you know we have not just you know vanquished Van Helsing God for the hundred fiftieth time, but we've also you know outsmarted Branson. We've gotten toilets, <laughs> yeah. And Doctor Lang has her toilet back, and you know we get to the point where. Foley is reintegrated into the group and things are sort of coming back to something that might approximate a new normal, you know, robos communicating people are, are happy. Uh, Dr. Bucket hat. I can't remember his name. That's Bernard I, Bernard Bernard. Okay. Dr. Bucket hat is, is, you know, smiling again. He's almost, you know, a human again, instead of hiding in the microwave. I'm not sure what he's working with, by the way. That's, that's something I couldn't remember. Cause I've read, you know, the next volumes and everything. Um, right. I couldn't remember if it was in this volume or not, but, uh, let me just say that it has to do with hollow earth stuff. Okay. See, and you know, we, we get to a point where, you know, we're not back to normal, but this arc really did move the characters around and develop you know, this is what happened to them, and this is where they're going to be when that new normal is established. Mm-hmm. I really like that because when this started, 
I hated it. I was mad. There, this you know, arc? Oh, you why, hated this arc? Yeah. Okay. Why are we doing this? So why are we doing this thing with the, the homeowners organization? What's wrong with the doctors? Why, why is Robo being a putz? Why, you know, why can't things just be good again? And by the end, intentionally on the part of these creators, they took all that and my frustration and they turned it into a really satisfying bit of closure that now sets us up to go forward. I feel like that's really, really well done. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I agree with you on what you're saying. I don't know if everything is back to being normal, right? I think it's one of those things that, okay, we've all had our say and we've all been through a lot and we all know that we've made mistakes or we should have been better. And yes, we are all in a happier place, but I think everybody remembers how bad it was and they're not going to forget that. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, and, and, and so I agree with you that, but I, I do know that some of these wounds that atomic robo has created are not so easily healed. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, what did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, atomic Ro- robo is like deceptively dense. Mm-hmm. So there's always, stuff to look at and stuff to do and stuff to go back and reference. Um, so that's nice. Um, like in, like in this, we didn't even talk about the fact that there are like two, like two multinational competing, like intelligence agencies. Mm -hmm. And one starts out trying to tackle the problem and then they get sort of like out jurisdictioned by a different one. And it's mm-hmm. like, surely that's going to be important later, but it's like, it's a very minor part of the story. Um, but like, I feel like I'm like, I, I, I need to remember this because I'm going to like, it's going to get referenced later. Um, other than that, you know, the characters are enjoyable. It's funny. Uh, the art's really good. Yeah. It's Atomic Robo. Yeah. Ashley, what about you? Um, this was definitely maybe a different kind of Atomic Robo than what, what we've run into before. Mm-hmm, that's true, but I think it was either the last volume of Atomic Robo that we read or the one before that I wasn't super hot on. Mm-hmm. So this is really different, but I feel like it comes at a time in, if you look across the overarching narrative of all Robo that has come up to this point, I think it's the right time for a change. So I was really into, I mean... I was less into the contemporary people who were in this story, but I'm interested in seeing how this is played playing out. I love hollow earth nonsense. That's great. Magical woo woo crystals. Please give me more. I will buy actual crystals from you. Not a problem. Um, So I was really intrigued by this volume and I really like it. And I think that if people are reading, you know, or have been reading it, um, and we're feeling similar to the way that I was. This is like kind of a refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, light at the end of the tunnel is a little too dramatic, but I think I think what's weird and different about this is ultimately going to be for the better. And you keep dropping these cryptic hints that make me enthused for the next volume. Yeah. So one of the things that that Atomic Robo the, and the creators have done over the years is one volume will be set in the present, and then they'll do something uh, in Atomic Robo's history because he's been around since like the 1920s. Uh, and then they'll do, you know, one that's set in the present and then one set in the ba- uh, past. Like, for example, uh, before uh, Spectre of Tomorrow, we had the Temple of Odd or Ood, uh, which was the one that was just pre-World War II uh, stuff in China uh, stuff. Uh, that's also, I believe, where we saw Helsingard in that one as well. Um, this one and the next story arc, The Vengeful Dead, is basically just a continua continuation of this story arc. Uh, that being said, you guys probably ought to read. They have a bunch of like black and white stuff that seems very rough. Dawn of a new zine because, uh, there's some big stuff that goes on in, in that, that is, that's a big deal. And I, or I'm sorry, the dawn of a new era. And then, uh, of the vengeful dead is the current storyline. Some big things happen. All this stuff takes place in current storyline. I can give you some hints. Uh, there's more attacks from the vampire dimension. There's a certain character that's, I think, everyone's favorite character that is presumed dead uh, that comes back. There's some inner earth uh, shenanigans with uh, crystals and whatnot. And then there's a whole set of interns that come into uh, the team 
one of them may be Atomic Robo's son, question mark. So that's that's what's coming up in in the upcoming arcs of Atomic Robo. To me, this one was starting to get, and this is maybe a problem with when you have so many characters and so many things going on, it can be very easy to get distracted by certain things and go, why are we spending all of this time dealing with bureaucracy? Why are, you know, what's going on with these exploding robot people? What's going on with, you know, this Allen machine and Helsingard and Robo? Let's get all that action. And so when you've got all of these multiple storylines running at the same time, um, it can be easy to get them confused or to drop a storyline and say, what happened to this? Or why hasn't this one come back? Uh, so there are those things to kind of, that are a concern to me when I read this is that I think there could have been some streamlining done in this book, but otherwise it's still atomic robot. It's still one of my favorite, uh, comic book series of, of all times where, did you guys get any of that feeling? Well, like some of the stories seemed a little disjointed or maybe not. I think everything was wrapped up, mm-hmm. but, it, but there are some things that just feel disjointed or the storytelling was maybe a little bit more convoluted than it needed to be. Yeah. I feel I, like, oh, go ahead. I feel like dysfunction is part of the, the underlying language of this whole arc because things are not right and everybody knows they're not right and everybody's responding. So I don't know if I responded to that the same way that you did. I definitely felt it. You know, it was part of my hatred in that first arc mm-hmm. or the first few pages where I'm like, arr, why is this happening? And then you get to the end and things, you know, start to shape into something different. But yeah, I felt like that, that was an intentional thing in this to where things were supposed to feel weird and off balance because people weren't communicating and you know, the things that were happening separately, it was just because they hadn't actually told each other about the toilets. Yeah. Rodrigo, what are you going to say? Um, yeah, I think there's something about atomic robo that always feels a little bit disjointed, at least for the past, I don't know, handful dozen, I don't know how many stories. Um, and I think it's just because atomic robo really carries its continuity. Um, and is set is always setting up future stuff. So it's like, like I said, there's like this thing where one organization gets like booted out by a different organization. And other than the fact that it sets these two characters kind of on the run, like these two characters are helping Robo, but they're helping him remotely. And it's like, why did that happen? And like, mm-hmm. I, I think that the reason why that happens is so that later on we can catch up with them. And that's just how the story is going to go. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, sometimes in any given atomic robo story, there are things that happen that then don't resolve until much long, don't resolve within the context of that volume. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually minor things. You never, you're never like, Oh, well this kind of didn't end at all. You know, it's like, usually there's an ending usually with an explosion of some kind. Um, or time traveling dinosaur or something, <laughs> um, or you know somebody's head being stuck in a locker for a hundred years, yeah, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, but yeah. but it's kind of like there's a lot of little minor things that get sort of put into motion that a lot of the time don't pay off for a while, and mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of that disconnection goes because you're spending you're spending brain power remembering these characters and what they're doing, and then they just kind of exit stage left, and it's like, oh well. That went nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, did you have some things that didn't sit right with you story-wise, or are, are you taking uh, hints from this and, and j- dumping them right into Jupiter Jet? That's a complicated question. Um, <laughs> I think Jupiter Jet is going to stay firmly in space in the next volume. Oh, okay. Um Robo is definitely something that I look at, though, when we're working on it. I am not actively working on Jupiter Jet right now. I'm working on another comic project in March. Um, 
so I don't I don't broke a lot of umbrage with this volume. And I, like I said, maybe it's because I was just out of love with an earlier one that we read. So I was like, mm. this is a good time. My okay. true argument is why is Elon Musk in this room? <laughs> Everything else I'm good with. Yeah. Yay. You know, I would, I don't I would have definitely like a ton of intelligent criticism. I'm sorry to be. I the, would then definitely jump into the dawn of a new era for you, Ashley, the next volume. I would just go right into that because I think it has uh, a lot of this. Read the whole series though. <laughs> I know, right? I That's basically what I did <laughs> on Sunday. I was like, man, it's been so long and I thought I had, I couldn't find my physical copy of the Spectre of Tomorrow so I bet it's in my nerd room. So I'm going to have to go track that down and put it on the uh, comic rack behind me. But uh, yeah, I, I was just going through this on Sunday. I was like, well, I might as well just get caught up to the entire series and just blew through it all Sunday afternoon. So yeah, you can definitely get down a rabbit hole of some of atomic robo goodness. And that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a physical media person, you can certainly use the Amazon link that we have in the show notes to go and purchase the copy of atomic robo and the specter of tomorrow. Sorry, no James Bond in this, um, <laughs> a little bit. will come back our way and you can get the physical copy of this. Or if you're somebody that's like, I don't think comic creators should earn any money for my entertainment and joy. You can go read this completely for free over at atomic-robo.com. It's up there. That's the the whole intent is the creators are putting all of their new stuff up on the web first, and then they are translating that into Kickstarter campaigns and hardbound volumes and all of this stuff. They've also got a store where you can buy these directly from them, so I'm sure they get more money that way. Uh, so you can do that. So there's a lot of ways that you can access this. It's also available digitally, not on a website, but through Comixology. So there's all those things that you can do to support this comic. And and my bottom line has been since the very first issue, oh, so many years ago, Atomic Robo is one of the best comics that you will ever read. It is so much fun. It is mixing all of the great stuff that you like about superheroes and science and World War II stuff just mixing that all together into a great set of stories that you could just pick up at any time and read. So for me, this is always a must read comic and specter of tomorrow to me, doesn't really disappoint in the end. It is a must read comic. Uh, Matthew, what do you think? Bottom it's line. a golden age comic in a cutting edge format and you should go read it. All right, Rodrigo. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it's, um, yeah, it's actually probably a pretty decent jumping on point too, because at, at the very least, all of the weirdness that has happened before gets uh, name checked. So you can always go back and go back and check it. Okay. And Ashley, you have the final word this week. I think this volume is uh, really interesting. I think it's pretty fun. I think it is a worthy addition to the Atomic Robo Legacy, which you know, tacking on to our indie comics conversation from earlier is quite something in that in that sphere and in and in all of comics. I think it's super fun. I uh, definitely got to read everything that comes first, but you'll have a good time doing it. So just you know, be like Stephen and I. Sit down, set your life on pause, and read some comics. Yeah, it, it's great. You'll you'll come out uh, wondering what happened to all the time because this reads so quickly, and at the same time, you'll feel smarter uh, because of it. So thank you, Rodrigo and Matthew and Ashley. Next week on the Major Spoilers podcast, it's Juliet Takes a Breath from Boom Studios. Looking forward to talking about that. And then in a couple of weeks, we have, oh, American Vampire Volumes 2 and 3. Oh, so we've got that coming down the pipe. Oh, so many good things happening at Majorspoilers.com. But that's where we're going to wrap it up for this issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. The only thing we love more than our woo-woo crystals is your feedback. So what you do is you go to the Major Spoilers Discord server, uh, link in the show notes, join the rest of the cool kids, start sharing everything you love, your thoughts, your reactions, your cats to this episode. Or drop us an email with where you uh, are offering to send us woo-woo crystals to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And you might hear your words or the sweet, sweet hum of those crystals on an upcoming episode. I'll take some woo-woo crystals. And, and uh, crystals anytime. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, you can support the show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love woo woo crystals and we do too. Yeah. And we will talk <laughs> with you soon. 
Fat Dick's Ray Vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.